0: Thankful to be together with you this morning as we look to God's good word together. Will you grab your Bibles with me this morning and turn to the letter of 1 John? I'm privileged to be preaching um, part two of the passage we're in, uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 4 through 10, in a sermon that I've titled, Those Who Practice Righteousness. Last week we looked to this same passage and saw those who practice sin, those who practice lawlessness. And in contrast, this morning we will see John's highlight of those who practice righteousness. I want to read this morning's passage in its entirety so we see both of these highlighted. And then we'll dig into what God has for us. 1 John chapter 3 4-10 4-10 through ten. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning Also practices lawlessness Sin is lawlessness You know that He appeared in order to take away sins And in Him there is no sin No one who abides in Him keeps on sinning No one who keeps on sinning Has either seen Him or known Him Little children, let no one deceive you By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Nor is the one who does not love his brother. God's good word for us, church. Twice in this passage, John emphasizes the wonderful reality of what it means to abide in Christ and for God to abide in us who belong to him. In case you are tempted to be tired of this important, critical facet of our faith, of our Christian life, of our journey in Christ, John is going to mention this ten more times before this letter is over. And to remind you how much he's already spoken to it, look back with me for a moment at what he has said so far. 1 John 2, verse 6. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. 1 John 2:10 Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. 1 John 2:14 I write to you young men because you are strong the word of God abides in you and you've overcome the evil one. 1 John 2:17 The world is passing away along with its desires but whoever does the will of God abides forever. First John two twenty four through 28 Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. This is the promise that He made to us, eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to, de- to deceive you. But the anointing that you received from Him abides in you. And you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as this anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. And now, in chapter 3, verse 6, John says... No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. Do you think John is trying to drive home a major point? Church, we must not make light or miss the primacy of what it means to abide in Christ and for God to abide in us, for his word to abide. Abiding in Jesus and the fact that Jesus abides in us is the fundamental joy and practice of the Christian life. This is not in the on the margins. This is it. But do we have right view of it? Right claim of it? Right practice of it? To be a Christian is nothing outward unless we first are truly abiding deeply in Christ. And yet, how often are we really focused on the outward and missing the centrality of abiding in Him? Hear the words of Jesus our Lord, John 15, 4. He says, abide in me. And I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Let me reestablish what abiding in Christ is. And again, if you're tempted to say, but we've covered this. John, by God's sovereign decree and ordaining this to be in his holy word, wants us to circle back to this again and again and again. We need not miss this. We need not kind of get a hold of it. It needs to transform us. It needs to become so central. So I want to reestablish what abiding in Christ is. And then I want to look at why those who abide in Christ practice righteousness instead of practicing sin. John's point here. To abide means to stay fixed. To continue on course. To endure. To remain Hold fast, to be steadfast. It is a person's long standing and ongoing practice of what they are grounded in, what they have fixed themselves to. There might be many things in a day that, that when you wake up, you go to, you depend on. You, if you don't do that, if you don't take that, if you don't practice that, you, you're kind of wrecked. You're kind of messed up. It doesn't work. You need it. And there's a discipline there. There's a We need to have that view. We need to have that practice, Christian, of being fixed in Christ, being bound, dependent on. Abiding in Jesus is a reference to divine fellowship with God and those only who have been born of God are capable of this reconciled fellowship or abiding relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. To abide is to actively be plugged into the source of life, which is God himself. Beloved, we do not thrive in the Christian life by turning away or unplugging it's in these seasons of our unplugging, of going about it on our own, trying to run on our batteries that we drift, that we, we wander, that we slow down, that we, we give way to temptation and, and embrace sin in the flesh instead of Jesus. To abide is to remain constantly in Christ pondering his word speaking and acting for his glory, his will living our lives out of who he is in us. When we abide in him we're we're actively dependent on him in every way. We're not kind of tuned in. We're not haphazardly tuned in or dependent on him in every way like breathing try thriving the rest of today without breathing and see how you do You won't thrive, will you? You won't live. You won't do anything good or caught honoring. This is the way it is with our abiding in Jesus. Christian, everything you must do must be in Christ. To abide in Him and all we do and say means we're never acting according to our flesh but only according to Christ. We're trusting Christ. We're leaning on Christ. We're living for Christ. We're abiding in Christ. We must never forget that the prize of our salvation is not just forgiveness for all of our sins. That is really amazing. God's grace to forgive us is beyond Real comprehension. The depth of that gift. The prize of our salvation is not just to get to heaven. It's going to be really great. The Bible says it's going to be so great, it's going to be better than you can imagine it to be. Church, the prize of our salvation is that we get God. What's what's the point if we're not abiding in Him. To get Him and then to put Him on the shelf and say, I'll see you next Sunday. When your life is crumbling, when your dreams are being squashed, when wickedness of the world's agenda is is storming down your door and your loved ones, we must stand fast and abide in God. And in the fact that God's at work in us. Think about it. What, what compares to that? And when you see it rightly, the answer is nothing. Nothing compares. Here are Paul's words of what our abiding in Christ looks like when we really get it. When we wholly get it. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me, gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20 Christian, is this your view of what it means to belong to Christ, to believe in Christ, to abide in Christ? Because you can't view Jesus as something over there. Something just on Sundays. Something that's just a a prayer away. He must be all of your life. All of it. So understand it fresh today. You no longer live if you belong to Christ. Christ. Christ lives in and through you. The life you now live, you live by faith in Jesus. Any moment that you're being caught up in worry or fear or questioning, just see quickly Put your faith away in that moment. Do you see that? Your faith, trust in Him. So, so we don't need all the answers. We don't need it all to go our way. I have Him, I trust in Him. We need to abide in Jesus. Not sometimes, all the time. I want all of us to really climb into this. This this is why John is circling back to this again and again and again. His brothers and sisters are under attack with deception, fraudulent teaching, and manipulation. He realizes his hearers are in jeopardy, and, and we who hear it today, we're, we're in jeopardy of thinking, Yeah, okay, I got it. When we don't, when we go back to that same compartmentalized routine, when we act in faith in a haphazard way. When we're guilty of saying I'm I'm trusting in God when my heart is not trusting in God. I, I I got the words they just fall out of my face, but it's not where I'm at. It won't do to just do this part way. It won't do to be lukewarm. It won't do to be kind of sold out. Do you hear the oxymoron of that phrase? Kind of sold out. Please understand, Christian, the Christian life is not Christ back then and now us. The Christian life is not you and Christ. We're buddies. (laughs) (laughs) The Christian life is Christ in you, and you in Christ. All right, I'm going to do it again. Always tearing down all the money you spent on your Christian stuff on your walls. The, the footsteps poem is, is a broken view. You've got, you got these two sets of footprints. It's you and Jesus. But then there's that time where he's carrying you. So there was just one, right? And the person's freaking out. How do you abandon me? No, no, I was carrying you. No, no, that's not the Christian life. It's not you and him. Christ in you, and you in Christ, you belong to him. He's at work. It's it's all abiding, always dependent. We never get it enough together where where we got it. Like, I'm ready. Give me the football. I I can do it. I can get us down the field. No. We're never ready. We're we're never ready to do it without Him. We must abide every day, every hour, every minute. will this life rage at you yes will this life tempt you yes but that is why we're so desperate to be grounded in him rooted built abiding Matthew 7 24 25 everyone who hears these words of mine and and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on, on the rock. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. I'm praying for all of you. I'm praying for all of us that we are growing in our abiding in Christ. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. Uh, Take the potency of those few words to heart this morning, church. You want to be done with your hangups and your hiccups with your sin struggles? Stop compartmentalizing your faith with Jesus and abide in Him. And, And these things will lose their taste Why do those who abide in Christ practice righteousness instead of practicing sin? Because we're rooted in Jesus and not in the world. We're being transformed from the inside out by the one who is righteous, the one who is life. Because we belong to Jesus, because God has us and he won't let us go. We who are the branches have been grafted into the vine who is life. And that means the Holy Spirit is at work producing conviction for righteousness and power for righteousness. Therefore, no one who abides in Him keeps on sinning, keeps practicing sin. I want to look at verse 7 and 9 together. Because both are essentially driving home the same point, which is that those who practice righteousness belong to Jesus. Verse 7, little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. 1 John 3, 9, no one Born of God makes a practice of sinning for God's seed abides in him and he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. First, let's look at verse 9. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning for God's seed abides in him and he cannot keep on sinning, practicing sin, because he has been born of God. John's emphasis here is on the sovereign work of God to give new birth, which then equals a new will in us, a new purpose, a new drive, a new ability to do life righteously. Something we did not do when we were enslaved to sin. When we're given spiritual birth, God seals a new child of God with the Holy Spirit. What I want us to see in this sovereign act of God is that He doesn't mess up and save wretched sinners unto life in Christ. He doesn't claim a citizen into His kingdom and then realize, I'm sorry, I made a mistake with this guy. No, all who are born of God, all who, Those whom the Holy Spirit, in whom the Holy Spirit dwells, will endure in faith and we will practice righteousness. Listen to the Gospel of John, chapter 1, 12 through 13. But all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. 1 Peter 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Salvation, new birth, belongs to God. All glory to God. Amen? Praise God for the sovereign grace of God to save us and make us alive in Christ. Praise God that salvation belongs to the Lord. Psalm 3.8 Psalm 67.1 Revelation 7.10 Remember how John drove this point home in chapter 2 of this letter. First John 2.1 My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And then in First John 2.29 If you know that He is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of Him. Jesus is the righteous one. The only man to never sin. The only one able to take all of our sin and atone for it. If we know that he is righteous, then we can be sure that those who practice righteousness have been born of him. Praise God that he's caused us to be born again. Consider the the change this brings about in us. I told you a few weeks ago that we're not foolish anymore, like a child that takes a nickel instead of a dime because it's bigger. There's so much to that stupid example that's so rich with truth. We're no longer ignorant of God's infinite worth and holiness, we no longer live for sin. We now live for righteousness. This is so big. We were once totally blind to the value of God. Not only in Christ are we able to assess things as they really are. Only in Christ do we see that the holiness of God is the supreme value in the universe. So we no longer conform to the madness of this world. We conform our lives to the holiness of God in truth, in spiritual discernment. This is the blessing of our new birth. I once was blind, but now I see. Those who are born of God practice righteousness. Or as John says it here in verse 9, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. When it says God's seed abides in us, it means we have the seal of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 13. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised holy spirit paul says when we were born again we were sealed with the holy spirit this means that for those who have died to self and trusted their lives to jesus as lord and savior and are born again we're, we're saved we're made new we're made spiritually alive we're adopted into god's eternal family we're sealed in the power and the presence of the holy spirit Our being sealed by the Holy Spirit confirms that we are authentically true children of God. Romans 8.16, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Our being sealed by the Holy Spirit confirms we are marked as belonging to God. The fruit of the Spirit is a visual marker that displays the Spirit of God that dwells in us. We are His redeemed if the Spirit who is at work reveals His fruit in our lives. The seed bears its fruit. God's seed in us brings forth the true fruit of the Spirit, love. Love. Joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. These are the qualities that reflect the character and the righteousness of God. Hear it again, first John three: nine. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him. Cannot keep on sinning. Because he has been born of God. He cannot keep on sinning. Keep hearing this correctly, church. It doesn't mean he doesn't sin. It means he doesn't practice sin. Right? We still sin. We're going to come back to this later. But when we do, true Christians repent of it. We don't keep on with it. The evidence of those born of God, those given spiritual life, those given the seal of the Holy Spirit, is the practice of righteousness. God at work in us produces what honors God church I'm constantly trying to encourage you lovingly to not allow the faulty words of the world to come out of your mouth when someone is lovingly rebuking you confronting you calling you out unto what is righteous and you say but that's this is just the way I am that's the old man talking you ran into the room, you, you you dug through the hamper and pulled out those old filthy clothes and you put them back on and you came back out in the room. This is who I am. No, it's not. No, it's not. Not if you belong to Christ. So don't talk that way. Don't be so lazy or so arrogant to to find the back door into that nonsense. Be humble. Be awakened to the reality that you are born again. The power of God is within you to do what is righteous. And, and so I, I'm going to call it sin. I'm going to confess it and I'm going to turn from it. I'm going to thank you for loving me enough to confront it. Instead of saying, this is just where I'm at, I'm okay with it. God knows my heart. Nonsense. Don't go there that's the old man talking don't go there and if you're, if you're sitting here going yeah, okay I've recently said that maybe you're sitting here going I've said that a lot lately then be blessed by the Holy Spirit's providential timing to slap you in the face with that nonsense <laughs> right that's it. it's a blessing it's a blessing Okay, go back to whoever was loving you enough to call you out and say, yeah, that's lame. I'm sorry. I don't want to hang my hat on that anymore. I want, I want to live for God. I can't do it, but Christ in me can. Amen. You can't do it on your own. Christ in you can Jesus said it so well, Matthew 7, 18. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Praise God for a saving grace and a true new beginning in our new birth, Christ. Praise God for the seal and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Praise God who produces the ability and the desire For those he has saved to practice righteousness. And so we will. And so we will. Right? If you're holding on this morning to go, Pastor, when are you going to get to this, the playbook of practicing righteousness? It ain't coming. Because that kind of moral conformity isn't the way this happens. It is you abiding in Christ. It is the Holy Spirit's work in you to change you from the inside out and produce this. You want something to do? Cling more to Him. Spend more time in His Word. Right? Don't buy the enemy's sales pitch for all the shows you've got to catch up with. That's just all nonsense right who cares about the stats the investment portfolio is going to burn one day spend time in his word in prayer with believers being reoriented to the lord to better abide and cling to christ trust him Paul says in Philippians 1.6, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Those who practice righteousness church belong to Christ. Another way John speaks to this is in verse 7. It says, little children, do not, I'm sorry, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. For those who might be just joining us, let me say it again. John's reference to his audience as little children here is not to be heard as demeaning or belittling. No, no, he has great affection for them as blood-bought family, and he has a rightly God-given authoritative position over them as a shepherd of the flock. And so... He shares that affection again, and here he goes. He speaks authoritatively. And what does he say? What's his imperative command? Don't be deceived. Don't let no one deceive you. And what's this deception he warns of? That people, the deception that was being pitched in that moment was that people can truly belong to Jesus, or claim they know God, but still walk in unrepentant sin. No, he emphasizes whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Let me remind you that living righteously is obedience, but it's not just rule keeping. John fourteen fifteen, Jesus says, "If you love me, you will keep my commandments." And you might say, "Well, that sounds a lot like rule keeping." but it's more than just rule keeping. See, the Pharisees were really good at keeping the rules. But they did it religiously. They did it to look good. They didn't do it out of a sanctified holiness. That they did it manually. They did it to earn something. They did it to show they didn't have what they needed. They did it to get something other than God. They didn't do it from the power of God, from the work of the Holy Spirit within them. They didn't do it as a result of God refining their hearts and lives. See with me that there is a way to do man-made religion that is just external modifications. In contrast, the gospel, when it's at work in the true believer, brings about a different motivation entirely. God gives us a true will to honor God. And most importantly, the true power of God to obey his commands, to do what is righteous. Paul is clear to highlight this reality in Philippians 2.13, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work, for his good pleasure. You must never think that the right answer is just moral conformity. This is grossly insufficient. No, the heart that is captured by God, the life that is made alive by Christ, has new motivations and ability to serve God and to do what is righteous. James says in James 1.22, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. One of the best signs of true saving faith versus superficial faith is lasting obedience to God's will and word. You want to honor God. It drives you. I've been talking with some of our young men lately. about where they're at in hearing these truths so much. Praise God, that's happening. And understanding that they're dead in sin, understanding and believing Jesus is who He said He was, and that there's a need for Him to be Savior and Lord. really drive, like as God grabbed hold of you in a way that you're motivated by Him. Your longings are changing. You're so thankful. You you love Him. You, You don't want to do this thing, this church thing, this Bible thing because you have to. You want to do it because you know Him and you love Him. This is why Young men and women, we're not trying to twist your arms to say the words. We, we don't want to press you into superficial faith. We're, we're going to trust God. If you bo- are part of His elect, and He's going to make it abundantly clear. I don't need to do that. But what you're looking for is not just that knowledge. It's not just, okay, what do I do? It's, is your heart being captured. Your longing, your motivations are changing. It's your joy to know the Lord and to honor the Lord. One of the biggest and best signs of true saving faith versus superficial faith is lasting obedience to God's will and word. But it's, but it's joy driven, it's not obligation driven. In this we prove to belong to God and to truly trust Jesus. John made this emphasis in 1 John 2, 3 and 6 through 6. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Whoever keeps his word in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So I ask you, do you see the evidence of true faith at work that James and John and others are trying to highlight? Our faith in Christ means we'll be doers of the word and not hearers only. You're not trusting God if you don't obey God. Think about that for a minute. The byproduct of true love for God is devotion to Him. It's this way with anything else, or it's hypocrisy. I've said it before, I'll say it again. If you say you love your spouse, but then you live in a constant state of unfaithfulness to your marriage vows, you don't really love your spouse. You know the rhetoric of marriage, that's it. If you say you love your job, but you never show up to work or put in any real effort at work, you don't really love your job. It is simply not true love or devotion if it's not backed up with faithful action, faithful doing. Paul emphasizes this. Romans 2.13 For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. Because that doing is the evidence of transformation. New birth. You cannot claim to know and love Jesus, but then disregard the fact that He's God. That He rules you. That He owns you. To say that you somehow have Christianity outside of that, is something else that you've packaged up and bought. Convinced yourself it's good enough. If you know God and you love God, you will submit to Him. You will do what is righteous. You will want to to do what is righteous. You will love to be ruled by Him. No longer be ruled by the world, your, your family heritage, your personal preferences. To love Jesus is to love his rule and authority in your life, which means you will keep his commands, which means you will be doers of the word and not hearers only. You will practice righteousness. And in any way, the Holy Spirit's bringing good conviction or view to the things lately you have not been practicing. In righteousness and all the good longing in you that says that is what I want to do is do what is righteous which means I've got to make some changes to X, Y, or Z praise God that's his work in you embrace that right? don't, don't be scared about what that's going to mean no, no embrace it do it what needs to change as much as you love whatever that thing is as much as it's been a, a new thing, a, a, a quote-unquote good thing, helpful thing. No, I'm going to do what's righteous. Because I want to. Because I'm going to honor God. Because I love God. Because I belong to God. John's going to drive this home later. You're not seeing a crazy repetition in this letter. You, 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 you're listening to the ball game in your earphones or something. You're not here. The, the repetition is nuts. Everyone, I, all the other pastors, I tell them, preaching through this letter is like, I'm so curious. I mean, how, how are you finding your way through without preaching essentially the same sermon eight times? God's making a way. But, but there is a, a good for us. But I just hear it. This is coming. When I don't know. First John five two three. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commands. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. Hear John's words again, verse 7. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. The power of God, the purity of Christ, is now at work in those who belong to Christ. Think about that. Think about that. The power of God, the purity of Christ, is now at work in those who belong to Christ. Praise God for that. I need that. have that. Paul says it well in Romans 8.11 If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. There's power in the Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in you and me. Right? Oh, we didn't get like 2.0 spirit, right? We didn't get duplicated or dumbed down or, right? The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in you and me. Do you have that in view, Christian? Jesus promised in John 16, 13, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. The Spirit is illuminating our hearts with truth and convicting us. Church, this is why. This is how we are able to practice righteousness. Ephesians 4, 22-24, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, which is corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. All throughout the New Testament, Christians are being instructed to put on, to practice, to clothe ourselves, to abide in Christ. Romans 13, 14, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Colossians 3, 12, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. In other words, there needs to be a decisive change in how we do this life. And, and, and if you're bothered that you don't feel veteran yet, you don't feel varsity yet, it's okay. There's a process. We're infants when we start in the faith. Right? Right? Infants, little, celebrated Roman's second birthday a few weeks ago, and it's like amazing to think about those two years. And he's still bumbling; all these words we're trying to learn his language, and trying, hoping teaching him to learn ours. And Savannah turns four on Tuesday, and it takes time to grow to learn. so so don't be put off by the fact that you're not a veteran you're, you're not seasoned no that comes with time but the changes happened the root change that needed to happen happened and now the spirits on board And you have a new will. And you have new aims and priorities for the Lord. And you're on that path. You're a new man. You work for a new company. How lame then is it to put on the clothes of the old company? Right? I've said before, you're going to look really strange. You show up to Target in your old Walmart uniform. I'm here to work, boss. No. Put on Christ. Abide in Christ. Be who you are in Christ. Practice righteousness. You don't do that without Him. Without Him at work in you. Romans 6, 6-7 through 7, We know that our old self was crucified with Him. In order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. So that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Paul is saying, if you are in Christ, then wake up every day. Put on Christ. Abide in Christ. Breathe. Christ. Don't put on the old stuff. One of the ways that we're helped to see and to continue to practice sin is to be reminded of what isn't the practice of righteousness. I just said that wrong over here. I said it wrong. To to see and to put on the practice of righteousness is, is to see... What's not that? What's the old man thinking? I've done this before. I just felt like it was good to do it again. Ladies, it, it, what's the old clothes? What's the old thinking? You need to put away and don't put it on anymore. It's that worldly criticism. It's ungodly expectations for your body and your image that jack you up. Put that on Put on Christ Guys it's overthinking That your value comes from what you produce Don't put that on Your value comes in Christ Moms It's, 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 it's too much worrying about your kids In such a way that it consumes you Because they're all you have no, not, not since you've been born in Christ. You have Christ. So you don't have to live and die with the idols of your heart anymore. Don't put that on. Husbands, it's it's looking to your wife to, to make that it's her job to make your life just the way you want it. And your hope is in that. And you hang your hat on that. No, oh, you have Christ. Singles. It, it, it's your tireless pursuit to try to fill the gap with relationships. To get to say one day, "You completely you complete me." That's nonsense. Stupid. It's not true. If you belong to Christ, you're whole in Christ. It's leaning on drugs to make you happy, looking to food to make you satisfied, looking to, looking to porn in the pursuit of pleasure. Overvaluing money so that you overwork, compromise your morals, compromise the days God gives you to do the prioritized things He's given you. Christ is enough, Christ is more than enough. Don't get dressed in the old lostness of your sin. Put on Christ. Walk in and abide in Christ and practice righteousness. My dear blood-bought family, hear me this morning. We who are saved in Christ, we who are a new creation, are set free from the bondage of our former enslavement so that we can practice righteousness. We are to be holy as God is holy. And we can be in the power of Christ. I want to make this final point of emphasis before we wrap up this morning's sermon. And that is to say that those who practice righteousness repent of sin. Those who practice righteousness, those who are born of God, those who abide in Christ, do not practice sin. But when we do sin, we repent of our sin. To be clear, it is not that those born of God do not sin. It is that when we do sin, we call it what it is, we confess it, and we repent of it. Unto what is righteous. This was much of my lesson this last Wednesday night in our study through the spiritual disciplines. If you missed it, I would hope you'd make time to slow and study what is confession, what is repentance. The the spiritual discipline of both of those. It's so central to this, I want to double down this morning in closing and just remind you. When our faith is real, when it's at work properly, we will honor God with our lives. In this, we are not most concerned with what is fair or what our flesh wants. We are most concerned with our great, greatest priority, which is for Christ to be glorified. The practice of righteousness is so that God is honored. Christ in you means you no longer snuggle up to your sin. You drag it by the hair into the light. You confess it and you turn from it. You do what it takes. Your favorite people are those who love you enough to help you identify the sins so you can confess it and do what is righteous, do what honors God. Be very concerned when you start pushing those people away to snuggle up with people who just tell you what you want to hear. True repentance is taking a new path in light of the gospel. Christ in us means we walk by faith and in righteousness. The key there is the Holy Spirit empowers us with a conviction to identify sin as sin and to put it away. Confession is something we say. Repentance is something we do. Repentance means we turn from the sin towards what is righteous, what honors God. The evidence of Christ as Lord in our lives is not only that we confess sin, but we repent of it. Not just at salvation, but every day until He takes us to glory. Those who belong to Christ will confess our sin and do whatever it takes to turn from it in repentance to what is righteous, to what honors God. The good news of the gospel of Jesus is that it's at work in and through us. to convert, to give new birth to the most wicked people, unto new people, new people that honor God. I remind you again of the historic Baptist confession of faith, says in chapter 15, part 3, saving repentance is a gospel grace in which those who are made aware by the Holy Spirit of many evils, of their sin, By faith in Christ, humble themselves for it with godly sorrow, hatred of it, self-loathing. They pray for pardon, strength of grace, and determine and endeavor by provisions from the Spirit to live before God in a well-pleasing way in everything. Praise God for His grace and His work in us. Amen? For his saving work and his ongoing empowering in the Holy Spirit that we would do what is righteous. Those who practice righteousness belong to Christ. And I conclude by reading the final verse again. 1 John 3.10. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Nor is the one who does not love his brother. Nor is the one who does not love his brother is the next door into where John heads next. And so we'll put a pin in it and we look forward to it with great anticipation that we will love one another. Pray with me. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful coastal foggy morning in the valley of California this morning by which you've provided us with a lot to be here to get to study your written word to get to sing and worship you together with instruments and song and to get to love each other and pray for each other and pray together we thank you Lord for all that you're doing all the ways in which you are at work in us to save us to mature us to be glorified through our lives live for you Help us to abide every day, every moment in Christ. We long for what is righteous to do what honors you because that's who we are in Jesus. May our testimony be bright and may it be your sovereign decree to use that testimony of the gospel that many around us would be saved and then discipled and sent. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We worship you together now and serve you this week that you have before us, Lord willing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.